Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Praise waiting for me. y'all believe it and now where would I be? God bless you. It's good to be here. God bless my brother JLC. He's put our links down to the book. Uh, Guaranteed Freedom, Victory, and Success. Brother Anthony, Brother Howard has showed up. God bless you all. Uh, Sister Christy Meadows. God bless you. Sister Brittany. Good to see you guys. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad uh, in it. Now, you know we're starting, uh, what verse are we starting in? (laughs) We're starting in uh, verse 73 today of our 
series part 10 of 22. Now I want to start reading at verse 73 and we're going to read down to verse uh, 80. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hope in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thou judgments are right and that thou, art, thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. Let I pray thee thy mercy, kindness be for my comfort. According to thy word unto thy servant, let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live for thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be sound in the statues, that I be not ashamed. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that your word will go out and it will reach the hearts of those who are listening. I pray that you would use me and not let me say anything that you will not have me to say. We ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us and come upon us so that your power will be here. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Now today we are we're going to look at verse 73, starting at verse 73, the Psalms is he kind of jumps right into it in verse 73 here. He declares that thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. Now, I think he is saying that he was manufactured by the Lord himself. His designer is the Lord Almighty. Now, when someone mentions a Rolls Royce, you associate it with class. So if you have a repair and you own a Rolls Royce, you don't go to the shade tree mechanic. You take it to the Rolls Royce dealer. People who own Rolls Royces will not allow just anyone to work on their vehicle because technically it's against the Rolls Royce standards. They say practically every Rolls Royce car that rolls off the assembly line is one is a one-off. That's because the luxury cars are typically customized down to the last detail per the client's preference. There are strict rules in owning a Rolls Royce. You cannot do any type of un unapproved tuning or enhancements to the vehicle. If you do, an unapproved or market that is not does not approve after market tuning, or you do any type of performance enhancement to your Rolls Royce, the dealer will not even sell you car parts. That's how strict they are about the Rolls Royce. And I said to myself, that's interesting, because I was watching some. It was talking about the Rolls Royce, and that was ten things that all Rolls Royce dealers must do. I said, let me listen to what they're saying here. And I said, that's very interesting that you can't, you, you, you won't even be able to get parts if they find out you let, you've been letting somebody jack with the motor in your Rolls Royce. 
And I said, that's interesting. This is a teaching moment. What if every believer had these strict rules of their worship of God? Because we should have stricter rules uh, on worshiping God than they do for a Rolls Royce. It's a car for love of God. I don't care how much money it costs. It's a car. You think that car is more valuable than human life? What if all believers had strict rules for their worship of God? God got those rules. You don't have to follow them, but it's the consequences to not following those rules. We will not do anything, they say, that is not advised by a heavenly manufacturer. What if Christians said that? My heavenly manufacturer doesn't allow me to worship like that. My heavenly manufacturer don't allow me to do that. Because over in Genesis uh, 1 and 27, it says, So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he, him, male and female, he created them. Isn't that interesting? So he's the creator, so he should be able to tell you what type of worship he wants. Psalm 139 Verses 14, uh, I'm sorry, verses 13 and 14 says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a Rolls Royce. You're one of a kind. Specifics and how you worship him. Isaiah 49 says, listen to me, you islands, hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. The Lord says to Jeremiah in chapter 1, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. See, sanctification means set apart. Don't get confused with it. He sanctified. He set him apart for a specific use. Just like any tool when the, a screwdriver is made for unscrewing and screwing screws. Sanctified means you've been set apart for a specific work. God told Jeremiah, I set you aside for a specific work. When somebody says, I'm sanctified, they say, I'm set aside for God's work. I ordain thee a prophet unto the nations. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Paul said, I didn't choose this thing. He chose me. And in our text, the psalmist is declaring the hands have made me, thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding. See, if he made you, he can give you understanding. Have you asked for it? You ask not, you receive not because you ask not. He fashioned you. And so the psalmist said, I need understanding, Lord, that I may learn thy commandments. You'll be surprised how much you can learn if you just ask him, but you just can't ask him and you never study his word. You can't just ask him and then you, you want to be lazy. Just say, you say, I want to be, I want to get a promotion at my job, but I'm going to be lazy. Mm -mm. God ain't going to bless that. If you get that right there by being lazy, you ain't going to keep that and you ain't going to be happy. 
He is wanting, the psalmist is wanting the Lord who formed him to give him understanding so he can learn Jehovah's commandments. He's not looking for a casual encounter with the Lord of glory. He wants a long, meaningful, lasting relationship. That's what God is looking for. Uh-huh. You hear people saying uh, they're casually dating someone. Why waste your time? See, when you was young, you may have been a fool. Don't waste your time. If it ain't meaningful, you can know after the first date. Don't give me that. Yeah, I'm casually dating. The Lord don't do casual dates. Why waste your time with casual dating? God wants a deep, intimate relationship. He does not do casual dating scenes. Maybe that's why some many, so many of the people who's been going to church for years are still babes in Christ because they've just been casually dating the Lord. They don't want a deep relationship. Well, I go to church on Sunday, but I don't ever read my Bible. I don't ever pray, you know. Sometimes I pray when I really need something. Mm-hmm. See, that's casual dating. If you're in an intimate relationship with the Lord, you talk to him all day long. You may be driving and say, Lord, I want to thank Look how beautiful the sky is. Lord, you brought me from a long ways. And I want to thank you, Lord, but I want to I want to get closer to you. I want to get to know you better. I don't just want to read about you in your word. I want to know you. They have not made up their minds if they want a to get a serious in a serious relationship with the creator of the universe. Just think about how arrogant that really is when you think about it. They acting like they some some kind of great catch or something. I said the Lord of the universe wants to have an intimate relationship and you wants to casually date him. It don't work that way. Mm-mm. They've been, they've been dating the Lord. They say, I've been going to church for 10 years. I've been going to church for 20 years. I've been going to church for 30 years. Yes. And you've been casually dating him. That's why you have not changed. What they are saying is that the one who suffered and died for their sins, they can't be sure if he's the one or not. They got to check out their options. They may want to look at Muhammad, Buddha. They got some other options. They got this girl they're looking at. They want to date. They got this fella. He's so handsome, tall, dark, and handsome. We don't know, Lord. You might get in my way of this. We don't know if you're the one. Yeah, you died for my sins, but we don't know if you're the one or not. I got to weigh my options. The master says, if you want to be my disciples, you must deny yourself. That's intimacy. <laughs> See, when a, when a husband and wife really have a great relationship, I was reading somebody said a husband and wife, they have been married 80 years. They know each other good too. So you got to know when to shut up some time when you're married. You got to know when to speak. Sometimes you just got to bite your tongue when you're married. You know what I mean? Oh, I get it. Sometimes you just got to bite your tongue. You got to let it go. But what if both parties in a marriage work as hard to please the other person? Wouldn't that be a lovely marriage? If the wife works to only please the husband and the husband works only to please the wife, wouldn't that be a lovely relationship? See, that's the relationship that the Lord Jesus wants with you because he's supposed to be the bride. You're supposed to be the bride and he's supposed to be the bridegroom, right? Oh, he wants an intimate relationship. Mm-mm. See, y'all wants to casually date him. He don't do the casual date scene. He don't believe in that at all. Now, I think Moses understood this about God even 
most of Israel never got this. In Exodus, it says that the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Now, I want to clear that up because there's a lot of confusion when you hear him saying that because when you get over to the New Testament, uh, the master says that nobody has seen the Lord's face and they still haven't. You got to understand the language that they're using. Remember, we've been telling you this over the years. The, the scripture has to communicate in a language that you can understand. It does not mean God had a face. It simply means God Almighty would manifest himself to Moses like no other. There was a manifestation of the Lord with Moses. Now, he could become, because you remember he met with Abraham in chapter 18 of Genesis. It says that uh, two angels and God appeared. He manifests himself as a human, right? But that don't mean, see, God, the, 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 the scriptures are clear. We're going to get to it in a few minutes. That God is everywhere, in, uh, in every place at the same time. He's omnipresent, so therefore he cannot be physical form. He manifests himself sometimes, but he can't be physically formed because the scripture says God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him and spirit and truth. This is a manifestation. He appears to Moses and talks with him. You will also notice that Moses took the tent and pissed it outside the camp in Exodus chapter 33. Remember that? See, the tent used to be inside the camp. It was called the tent of meetings. It's where uh, God uh, met with the with Moses. Uh, normally when it was inside the camp, Moses would sit there and he would go through and people would bring their different problems to Moses. But after they, uh, they sinned with the golden calf, Moses said, I'm taking the tent outside the camp. I'm going to get a divorce from you. Uh-huh. Y'all hard-headed. Let's take it outside the camp. Now, if you want to come see the Lord, it's going to be outside the camp. You're going to have to make an effort to come to him now. Because you didn't appreciate him when he was amongst you. Before the tent was moved, Moses would mediate between the people. But sometimes when people got it too good, they just don't appreciate it. You don't know nobody like that, do you? When they get it so good, they become comfortable. You ought to be glad that the Lord is afflicting you sometime because you'll be so comfortable, you'll be going on your way to hell. Some of you can't take too much. So you got to learn how to stay close. Remember we talked about Paul said, I learned to be content. He said, I can, I can live with a bunch and I can live with a little. But he had to learn to be content. I don't know if you learned it yet. See, they call this the tent of meetings because Moses would go out and meet with the Lord there. A meeting place. Do you have a meeting place? Do you have a tent of meetings that you meet with the Lord? The moving of the tent of meetings happens because the people wanted to worship in idolatry. That's the same problem we got right now. That's why the church ain't got no power now. Because the Lord is not welcome inside the church. Nothing separates us from God quite as fast as the sin of idolatry. Now in the 74th verse of our text, it says, They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hope in thy word. People who fear the Lord should rejoice to see you, if they fear the Lord. Now, if they fear the Lord and they're not happy to see you, that's a problem. Uh, if they say they fear the Lord and you fear the Lord and they're not happy to see you, somebody got a problem. That don't make no sense. 
We should not care about those who serve the devil rejoicing to see us. See, some of us are so happy. I see people all the time. They be so happy because they met somebody. They met this person. Oh, my God, I'm so happy I met that person. Did you meet the Lord? It's all downhill from there. Huh. You can't excite me no more. Uh-uh. I said I met the, the God of glory. We're going to introduce him a little bit closer to you today. Because once you understand who he is, I'm going to tell you right now. Everybody else seems not to be that important that you be making it important. You met the president, happy for you. You met Elon Musk, happy for you. That also means we should rejoice to see those who fear the Lord. Moses was not satisfied with the casual relationship with the Lord of glory. No, he wouldn't. He said a casual relationship won't do me. It seems like most of us are satisfied with a distant relationship. I believe they used to have a, an old song called Distant Lover or something like that. God don't want to be a distant lover. Matter of fact, if he's a distant lover, you're going to have all kinds of problems. Either you're carnal or you're not saved. I don't know how long you can stay carnal though. We are okay with this, this tenor meeting being outside our camp in life. See, sometimes you can just feel when the Lord's presence is closer, right? See, sin causes him to take the tent outside and then you got to make more of an effort to get back in close with him. Lord, I want the tent inside. People, some people who, who want a casual relationship with the Lord act as if the Lord does not see that they are cheating on him. The Lord knows you're cheating on him. You're making another idol in your life. You think the Lord, he's jealous. Yes, he's jealous. He said, I'm going to cheat on the Lord, but he ain't going to know about it. He sees all. He hears all. Matter of fact, before you even do it, he gets your thoughts a fall. Before you even had your thoughts, he knew what you was going to think. How you going to fool a God like this? You might as well go and be honest. See, you got to come to the realization that you're not fooling God. <laughs> so I don't know who you think you're fooling because you're not fooling God. The only one who matters is God. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows your motive. You might as well come on and be honest. Because the one who has uh, uh, the keys to eternal life knows everything about you. You're not fooling him. See, the apostle Peter writes in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What Peter is saying is, don't allow your mind and heart to be given to things that are not holy. See, this is, this is the stumbling block. This has been the, this is the stumbling blocks of all Christians who stumble. I'm telling you, you ain't, ain't, I'm not going to argue with anybody, say anything different. The, the stumbling block that's causing people to fall all the time is this right here. That's why Peter says, gird up your loins of your mind. You got to watch what goes in. Gird up what, see, if you think about a, a track athlete, think about a track athlete girding up their, their, their attire. He or she would make sure that there's no loose garments dangling about while they're running. You've never seen a track athlete running down 
during the 200 or the 100 yard meter race and they got bell bottoms on with a fur coat that don't even make any sense because they're going to be hindered in winning. They not. I don't care if it's Usain Boat. If Usain Boat was running around with some bell bottoms on and a fur coat running down there trying to do a 100 yard, 100 meter dance, he ain't winning. But we're running through life with bell bottoms on, fur coats, top hats, uh, 50-pound weights on our ankles and everything else, and we're trying to run this Christian race. See, most Christians are attempting to run the Christian race, and their minds are marred with what the world uh, has to offer. See, that's putting on weights. That's putting on hindrance. You're paying attention what the world has to offer. See, whenever somebody tells me who's supposed to be a Christian, I'm not concerned about uh, what a heathen says who's not a Christian. But when I hear a Christian who says they love Jesus and they tell me that I'm supposed to believe or do something or agree with something that contradicts the word of God, you got to be, you're trying to get me to put on a fur coat to run this race. It's not going to happen. See, compromising and allowing people to indoctrinate you. They said the government said it was okay. I don't care what the government says. See, I'm like uh, 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 Peter and John. He said, well, whatever y'all say may be good, but but as for us, we're going to do what the Lord tell us to do. I don't care nothing about what the government says. When it contradicts what the word of God says. So the government passed the law. I don't care. So there's going to be more people in hell than it is in heaven. I believe this is one of the main reasons the church does not have any power. It is because we are not in close fellowship with the Lord. You can't have no power being in a casual relationship with the Lord. You're going to be anxious about nothing. Get yourself worked up on nothing because you're not in a close relationship with him. If you want to stop yourself from worrying so much, I advise you to get real, real close to the God of glory. We don't have a... Uh, a desire to know him intimately. We are what they call the distant lovers to the Lord. He don't do distant lovers. Moses, who who was chosen by God before he was born, wanted to get closer to the Lord. Think about this. Moses was one of the ones who already was meeting with God, as the scripture says, face to face. So that seems pretty close, right? Moses ain't satisfied with that, though. Uh-uh. He was not content with that. He wanted more of an intimate relationship. Just think about this. This is, this is Moses, the man of God, who was spending a lot of time with the Lord. In Exodus 33 and 13, it says, Now therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. This is Moses, the man of God, talking. Moses said, I need to get to know you better. Oh, I'm meeting with you and everything. It's, that's wonderful too, Lord. I like spending time. But can I come a little closer? Whoo! He said, I, get, I think he wants to enter the holies of holies. Moses said, can I get a little closer? Not only did Moses want the presence of the Lord to go with he and the children of Israel. He wanted to move in even closer to the Lord. He's not satisfied with casually meeting him because after the Lord had promised that his presence would go with Moses and the people, the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken 
for thou has found grace in my sight. You get that? He's found grace. Even under the law, Moses found grace. And I know thee by name, he says. He knows you by name. So you want him to be able to call you by name. You ever notice that when people are married or they've been dating a long time, they got these little pet names for each other? All kind of boo and whatever little pet names, uh, daddy, whatever they call each other. Moses said, the Lord says to Moses, I know thee by name. Then watch Moses say, watch what Moses said. After all of this, the Lord talking with him, telling him that he know him by name. Moses still wasn't happy. He wasn't satisfied with that. Moses says, I beseech thee, show me your glory. And Moses, boy, he, he likes to get close, boy. <laughs> he likes to get right up in the Lord's chest he wants to be. You remember over in the New Testament, John was the one who was laying on Jesus' bosoms. Here is a man that was has been going on 40-day hiatus with the Lord, but he still is wanting more. What would what should stick out with uh, you is that he had already been seeing the Lord's glory. So this must mean he's asking for something different. When he says, I beseech thee, show me your glory. It's got to be something different because, I mean, the Lord has manifested himself. You remember he came on the mountain and the whole mountain was quaking and shaking. Moses was scared. The children of Israel were so scared. They said, you go talk to him. We don't want to get that close to him. We want to be distance lovers to the Lord. Getting close to him. He, he's scaring us now. He got this whole mountain shaking and stuff. Earthquakes. I mean, thunder and lightning and stuff. See, it's a, it's a dangerous thing to get close to him. Moses did, uh, did see more of the, of, of the God of glory than any human had ever seen while on this earth. But there was still a limited place on what Moses could see when God manifested himself. Moses still couldn't see it all because humans are too sinful to look upon a holy God. Even though Moses saw more than any other human had ever seen, it still was a limitation because he still was a human. And when you get your glorified body, ha, huh? that's what John was talking about in 1 John chapter 3. You heard what John says? He says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it do it not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's going to be a glorious day. You hear what John says? See, John was the one who was apostle who was laying on Jesus' bosom. He says, I'm the one Jesus loved. But John said, I haven't seen him in full glory because I'm still in the flesh myself. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it do it not yet appear what we shall be. We don't even know what that resurrection body going to look like. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Whoo, that's going to be glorious there. If the Lord had allowed Moses to see him in his fullness, Moses would have died. It would have killed him. Can't no human see that. Do you remember what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? He speaks in the third person about a vision, but it overwhelmed him in such a way that his mind could not even grasp what he was actually seeing. He says, it is, it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. 
I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell. He's confused. Or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God know it, he says. Such and one caught up to the third heaven. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God know it. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. What is Paul talking about here? He's still in the flesh. It's not lawful you to even utter this. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above which he seeth me. He said, I can't speak on it any further. Because the same things is just not even permissible to even speak about. We're going to have a lot to talk about. We're going to have a lot to see through eternity past. But Paul says that finally, after he had been seeing these visions, he said, for though I would desire the glory, I shall not be a fool. I like what he says in verse 7 now. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. God gave him the revelations, right? He says, I don't want to be exalted above measures. I'm still human. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. If you see somebody who God has exalted and they fall because they got the big head. Ask Saul. Saul got the big head, had to be taken down. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, he said. I prayed three times about it. That I need this thorn to get out my flesh. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For, the, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sakes. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Paul says he's been consumed with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's strong. We must remember that we are still in a fleshly body. And there are some things that God will wait for us to get to heaven to see. But you got a lot to see down here. Because we all know this all I wanted to see, child, please. However, we should desire to get as close to the Lord as humanly possible. Don't be satisfied with this uh, casual dating of the Lord. In Exodus 33, it goes on to say that the Lord said to Moses, I will make all my goodness. Watch this one here. I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I shall show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Moses asked to see the Lord's glory, and the Lord said he would cause his goodness to pass by Moses. Did you get the question? Pay attention. The Lord equates his glory with his goodness. <laughs> One of the things that makes the Lord so glorious is because of his goodness. He is so good that it's impossible for anything unjust to come from him. 
Have you ever just thought about how good our God is? He's not like the fake gods who can be tempted by evil. No, 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 no. James says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom there is no variables, neither shadow of turning. He's perfect. And we're not talking about the kind of perfect other people are talking about. I'm saying there is nothing flawed about him at all. Whenever somebody look at a nice diamond, they say it's flawless. No, no. See, the one who made it is flawless. In our text, verse 75 of Psalm 119 says, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. Here you go again. He's saying that the Lord's judgments are right and he and the Lord is faithful and that's why he's being afflicted. It's for his own good. You have your parents used to tell you, I'm whipping you, it's for your own good. If the Lord is afflicting you, that means he has a good reason for afflicting you. It could be punishment, but it could be he's making you the person he needs you to be. Come on, somebody. I said, don't think that he's always punishing you because you're being afflicted. It could be that he's got something great he wants you to do and he needs to inflict you. He afflicted the apostle Paul. Over in chapter 18 of Jeremiah, he gets a word from the Lord and watch what the Lord tells Jeremiah. He says, arise, Go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my word. Wait a minute. You want me to go over to the potter's house? Then you're going to give me a word while I'm at the potter's house. Okay, then keep reading. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Have you, if you get a chance, just look up how, if you see one of those wheels, now they got the fancy ones that spin by themselves. They used to have them old school ones, but just look at one, the way they be designing that different pottery, man. It's something fascinating. So the Lord sends Jeremiah over to his school of pottery and says, I need you to go over there. I'm going to give you a word, but I need you to just go over there and be quiet. Don't say nothing. He said, the vessel that, made, uh, that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as the potter, said the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in the hand of uh, O house of Israel. So you got to notice something. When you read the text, that's why it says meditate on it, because when you read it, just don't read it fast. You notice that the Lord tells Jeremiah to go observe the potter's work. He didn't say go over there and preach to the potter. He said go over and observe what the potter is doing. I'm about to teach you something, Jeremiah. I'm going to give you a word, but I need you to go over to the school and just watch the potter. He did not say go over and help the potter do his work. He said go over and observe. And by observing the potter, Jeremiah could hear God's word. Come on. Some of you don't like to observe enough. So you can actually, you can, everything you look at, everything you see, everything you learn, I don't care what it is. If you just can, if you relate that back to the word of God, you'll be, a whole new thing will open up. When I look at history, 
When I look at the Animal Channel, anything I look at, I look at a news article, I always see the Word of God in it. Because it opens up things. It snatches the cover off. The powder is a picture of the Lord himself. And you and I are the clay. Get it now. Notice that the clay wasn't talking back to the potter. Come on. I say it when Jeremiah went over, he was looking at the potter. The potter is a reference to the Lord of glory. You the clay. Jeremiah's the clay. I'm the clay. The clay was not talking. The clay was doing what the potter said. Like, I don't want to be a cup. If there's any more parts of our lives, the potter will need to break the clay down to make it again another. See, we got more characteristics in ourselves and the potter has to take you. Sometimes he got to break it down and then make it back up. You get too caught, he'll break it down again. The potter is not angry with his clay, but he wants the clay, uh, if he wants the clay to, to, to be a cup and function as a cup, he makes it a cup. If the potter makes a plate, he wants the clay to function as a plate. There's too many of us that the potter has made for a specific reason. And here we are here trying to do something else. That ain't what the potter made you to do. See, this is why verse 76 of our text says, Let I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort. According to thy word, and unto thy servant. He wants the Lord's unfailing love, his merciful kindness to be for his comfort. See, God will comfort you because he's rich in mercy. You know that, right? I pray thee thy merciful kindness be for my comfort. His kindness and mercy. See, sometimes a little punishment, a little, a little tap on your backside it's because of his mercifulness and his kindness. He's stopping you from doing something to hurt yourself. We spoke earlier about the Lord telling Moses that his goodness would pass before uh, Moses. And we said that it was uh, what makes the Lord so glorious is because of his goodness. Because his mercy truly does endure forever. If you've ever read Psalm 136, and I, I, would, I would advise you to read it. It has 26 verses. And every line of Psalm 136 ends with his mercy and do it forever. Every verse, all 26 verses end with his mercy and do it forever. Do you think the psalmist in Psalm 136 was trying to get a point across? His mercy and do it forever. I don't want to read all of it. I'm going to read some of it. Psalm 136. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the, the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him alone do it great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever to him that by wisdom made the heavens uh, for his mercy and do it forever to him that stretched out the earth above the waters for his mercy and do it forever do you see that repetition going his mercy and do it forever we're gonna get a chance to witness 
his mercy enduring forever when we get to eternity. I don't know if you got your ticket or not. I advise you to get your ticket. Because if you ain't got a ticket, you can't get on board. Choo-choo. Uh, all aboard. Yeah, you got to have a belief in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you can't ride on this train. Now this train, uh-uh. I think they had a song with that on it too. <laughs> See, our little minds cannot comprehend the God of glory. You can't. And some of you don't even try. See, I I just, I sit back and try to, try to understand the way he be doing things he does. And I swear it just blows my mind. My little mind cannot even wrap around the things that he does. We can't comprehend the God of glory, no matter how hard you try. His past finding out there is no one or nothing that can be compared to God of glory. It ain't even close. It'll blow your mind. That's why everybody who got a glimpse of the God of glory, they came undone. There is no limit to God. He is a limitless God. How can you comprehend that? Please tell me how you can comprehend that. They said the earth or, or the universe is, is, is throughout infinity. There's no end. But who made the universe? So he has no end either. The limitless God. Mm, mm, mm. You, you just can't comprehend what that actually means. Because I was thinking about this. I like to, I like to go over and listen to some of the NASA thing. I like to hear them, hear them talk about how far space out and all these different galaxies and stuff. And I'm just sitting here marveling. So these people preaching, they don't even know it. They're telling me how wonderful God of the scriptures is. How far they reached out. They couldn't even get to the end of it. But God's be waiting for you. You'll never get to the end. Because he's the limitless God. How are you going to comprehend that kind of God? See, people don't even believe in God. And they don't even understand what we're saying about him. Imagine if they understand what we're really claiming who he is. The scriptures clearly teach that Jehovah is everywhere at the same time. How are you going to comprehend that? Did, you, did that ever just blow your mind? He's everywhere at the same time. Nothing gets paired. I don't even know how you can have, what is it, 7 billion people on earth. How he can listen to all the conversations without getting confused. I just wonder about that kind of things myself. Because it says when it's all over, when the things have been wind up, he's going to take out the books. Now, it ain't a literal book because he, he already got the knowledge. He don't have to write it down. He don't need a computer or nothing. How does he do that? Does it not blow your mind? That he can listen to all the humans who ever live, all the humans on earth right now. He know everything they ever said, everything they ever did, everything they ever thought. He don't write it down. That's the God we're talking about right here. How you going to compare to that? It ain't no comparison. It's a great God. He's glorious. There ain't no comparison to the God of scriptures. Second Chronicles 2 and 18 says, But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth, behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I have built. Jeremiah chapter 23 says, Am I a God at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, said the Lord? Do not I feel Heaven and earth, says the Lord. He fills the heavens and earth with himself. Now, just picture that. Now, I don't want us to be ignorant on when it says Moses saw the backside of the Lord. We just said he's limited, right? So he's manifesting himself. 
not all of him. There is no backside of the Lord because he is from everlasting to everlasting. When the Bible uses language to convey a message about God, it has to speak in a language that we can understand. The God of glory calls all his goodness to pass before Moses. Can you imagine that? That's what he says. All of his goodness was going to pass before Moses. Whoo! Man, you can stay, you, you can you can put a pen right there and stay there for five more weeks. All his goodness passed before Moses. Does your Bible say that? Because that's what my Bible says. The Lord who endured forever causes Moses to get a glimpse of his, all his goodness. Whoo! Understand why Moses was glowing. The God who fills the whole earth with his glory caused his goodness to pass before Moses. In our text, verse 77 says, Let thy tender mercies come unto me, that I may live, for thy law is my delight. If you want to have peace while on this earth, you must pray without ceasing that the Lord teach you his ways, not your ways. Now, don't read the Bible so you can just learn about the Lord. I know some information about the Lord. I'm, I'm, I don't want to hear that. When I say I want you to get to know him, I don't mean go get information about him. Now, you're going to need information about him to know him. But be like Moses. Say, I want to get closer because I want to know you intimately, Lord. Read the Bible so you can get to know the one who created the heavens and the earth. Get to know the one who made a salvation plan that would give us eternal life. Stop reading the Bible as if it's just another book with words of wisdom in it so you can impress people about what you know about the Bible. It ain't about that. The Bible is meant to change your life. Not just you compiled an information. Come on now. That ain't going to help you when you get into crisis. I know a lot of information. Let me recite it. That ain't going to help you none. Get it in your spirit. So you're reading it because the Bible is a spiritual book. Let it get in your spirit so you can breathe and, and, and be able to uh, uh, regurgitate it back up in your spirit. Not to quote it to people. When you're going through stuff, you'll be surprised. There's also a book that shows you how to have peace while on earth. Now, you ain't got to wait to the by and by. I say you can have peace while on earth. I'm telling you, you can have it. Just learning information about the Lord and not getting to know him will never give you peace or eternal life. Can I repeat that? Learning information about the Lord and not getting to know him will never give you peace or eternal life. There's a lot of people know. The devil knows more about the Bible and more about God than you know. I mean, look at the Pharisees and the scribes. They was quoting scriptures back and forth. Moses, Lord, and everything else. They didn't have the spirit dwelling in them. That's why Nicodemus can understand when Jesus says, you must be born again. The spirit is what teaches you. Making the Lord Jesus the head of your life will change your outlook at life. I'm telling you, it will. We should not be troubled by every little thing that comes up because he has said, Peace I leave with you. My peace. Whose peace? My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give it. Give I unto you. 
Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Did he say it and did he mean it? What you going to leave me, master? Peace I leave you. Not just any peace. He said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world give it, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. My question is, to you is, was the Lord lying about leaving his peace? That's my question. If he has left us his peace, why don't we have it? Or do you want it? Some of you might not want it. I mean, you got to want his peace. You don't just give his peace to anybody. You got to be his child. You got to be his child. You want to do everything in your way and tell me you're going to get his peace. You're not getting his peace doing it your way. If your way work, it'll work already. If you want his peace, you're going to have to do it his way. It's because we have placed our faith in all of the man-made formulas. I see it all the time. Such and such. I don't care what they did. I don't care. I don't care what they said. Don't make no difference to me. They don't have peace. I can see it on me. You, you can't tell me these people got peace. Listen to them. Listen to them. Just, they're always, I mean, they're always in an uproar about something. There ain't no peace. Money can't buy you peace. Education can't buy you peace. We have the mindset that we got to have the mindset that Moses had. He wanted to keep getting closer to God every day while on earth. Some of us are too busy listening to everyone over what the word of God has clearly declared. You ain't got to be the smartest. I was just telling my sons this yesterday. I just told them this. I'm always preaching to them. Time I say, I'm preaching to them. Preaching to my daughter. Every time I see them, I'm preaching to them. I said, whenever I see something, I don't care if it's a news story. I don't care who said it. Whenever somebody tells me anything that contradicts the word of God, I throw it in the trash. I don't care who it is. I don't care who likes it. I'm not going to argue with you no more. I used to argue with fools. I'm not arguing with you no more. That goes against the word of God. I'm done with the conversation. I'm not going to argue, debate, none of that. I'm done. The word of God says this. You saying that, I'm done with you. You calling my God a liar. I don't want to talk to you no more. It's ridiculous. And some people don't really want facts anyway. They want to argue. You don't want facts. It's clear as day. I'm going to argue with you about something that's so freaking clear. Verse 78 of our text says, let the proud be ashamed. For they dealt perversely with me without a cause. Come on now. But I will meditate on thy precepts. Meditate on it. Learn not to be moved by those proud heathens that deal wrongly with you. When they hate you for trusting and believing in God's word, pray that the Lord would give you the strength. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and let me stand strongly. What Paul was saying, he was... Paul, they was beating Paul, taking him from, uh, marching him around, taking him in front of kings. He didn't change anything. He still said the same thing. Prayer is the key and faith unlocks the door to your freedom. You mean that. Prayer is the key and faith unlocks the door to your freedom. I don't care about nobody else. I'm saying your freedom. Do you want to be free or not? Prayer is the key. You're not going to be uh, 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 free if you're not going to pray. I'm saying you should always pray. You're going to let a Muslim say they pray five times a day. No Muslims outdoing me. If he pray five times a day, I'm praying 10 times a day. Let no Muslim outdo me. I mean, you got Jehovah Witnesses marching around, knocking on doors with a lie. You won't even open your mouth up for the truth. It's absurd. Prayer is the key. 
faith unlocks the door, but you got to get in his word. See, the more you read his word, the more you pray. The more you pray, the more you read his word. It, 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 and then the more your faith is increased. Faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Prayer is the key. See, you have a key. You have a key. So you can just stick the key in your door. And if you just leave it in the door, if you just, if you just say, I'm going to stick the key in the door. If the door's not open, did you turn it? Faith is what's turning it. You got to have faith in God. Have faith in God. I dare you to seek the Lord with all your heart. I dare you. I double dog dare you. You'll be, you'll get so free. You'll be, people be like, you lost your mind. People think I lost my mind all the time. I'm telling you. Dude's crazy. I don't care. Yeah, I've been in the world. I done done it. I've been there, done that. It, it, it leads to nothing but more and more misery. Let us take the advice of the writer of Hebrews. He says, we're foreseeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which do it so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I like kind of how, like how the NIV says it though. The NIV says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Get it off of me. <laughs> He's getting violent with like a rascal. He's going to flip it off me. See, you, you, you want to be nice with your sins. I, I, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as such and such. See, you're comfortable with your sin. He said, throw that thing off. Don't be comfortable with any sin in your life. You'll, be, you'll free yourself up. You can examine yourself. Why are we trying to fool ourselves? We think we're not fooling God. We be fooling ourselves. We know what sins we're struggling with. We know what sins we got problems with. Why don't you just be brutally honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I need your mercy. You'll be surprised. See, in order to do certain things, some coming out by only fasting and praying, it says. See, you'll be surprised that you're able to get rid of some things if you just spend a little time away from the idiot box. If you just take a little hiatus away from the, 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 the dumb tube about a one day, you'll be surprised if you clean your mind up and not allow everything in your mind. And before you go to bed, read some scripture before you go to bed. You know how sleepy people get when they start reading scriptures? See, if you got the idiot box on, then you can't, I can't sleep. I can't go to sleep. I said, I heard this guy, he ran a Christian or something. He's some kind of sleep specialist. And he said, not even a, I don't know if he's a Christian now. He didn't say nothing about God, but he's some kind of guy who's been studying the sleep pattern of people. He said, the worst thing you can do is watch TV when you're trying to go to sleep. He said, then he's going to keep you up. Then you got to go fix something to eat. Then your body got to come back down again. He said, the best thing for going to sleep is reading. I said, well, that boy, he owned us something right there. I said, that fella owned us something. Read the word of God before you go to sleep. I guarantee you'll sleep like a baby. You putting that trash in your mind before you go to sleep. Tell me, I can't sleep. I got to take some medicines and pills. Of course you do. Just polluted your mind with garbage. Read the word of God before you go to sleep. I bet you sleep well. I'm not telling you what somebody told me. I tried. I did it last night. Our main problem is that we are attempting to run this race with 20 and 40 pound ankle weights on. Instead of throwing the weights off, we strap the weights on 
<laughs> and, and, and we, we're wearing the weights with pride. We just proud with the weight, running with these 50 pound weights on. We strap on the world system and expect not to be weighed down. Throw off the world system. Love not the world, nor the things in the world. Throw it off. When somebody tells you that the Supreme Court said something, I don't care what the Supreme Court says if it contradicts the word of God. I don't care. We say we want to be free and serve the Lord, but we do not, but we do everything like the world does it. So you're saying you want to be free. And when I'm talking about free, I'm not talking about uh, this superficial freedoms, freedom. I'm talking about you want to really be free. So how do you expect to be free when you're working off the world system? You can't get no more in bondage than that. We operate in the world system of belief and expect spiritual victories. <laughs> you're operating in the carnal world system of belief and you expect to get spiritual victories. That don't even make any sense. The world does not believe that the problems that we are seeing is spiritual. They don't believe that. You tell them that we don't want to get religion now. I don't want to get religion either. I'm talking about a relationship, intimate relationships. They think they can educate, finance, intimidate, or go to war with sin. <laughs> we are seeing a spiritual war happening and you see Christians trying to use carnal weapons. He was trained at Oxford. He was trained at Harvard. Nothing wrong with those educations as long as you are lining up with the word of God. Because I believe the scripture says that for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. I love this scripture here. That's why I didn't quote it so many times. Because we don't get that. You need to get that in your spirit. For the we walk in the flesh. We walk in the flesh. This is a fleshly body. We do not war after the flesh though. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God. God is spirit right? So it's got to be spiritual. They're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. The strongholds are the things that's holding you down. The sin that keeps uh, tripping you up. Casting down imaginations. The war is in the mind. In every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bring it into captivity every thought. Bring it into captivity. Make it obedient to you. It says in every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. And do not look on things af uh, after the outwardly appearance. If any man trust to in himself that he is Christ, let him himself think this again, that he, as he is Christ's, even so are we Christ's. Going to a spiritual war with carnal weapons is like going to war with a country that has nuclear powers. A country that has fighter jets and drones and missiles. And all you got is a butter knife. You hear what I'm saying? You say I'm finna go to war. Who you going to war against? They got nukes. They got uh, fighter jets. They got drones. They got missiles. Black Hawk, Black Hawk helicopters. I got a butter knife. Trying to fight the devil. And the evil in this world. With these carnal weapons. We're going to finance it. We're going to educate it. It ain't going to do no good. It's a heart problem. 
it's a heart problem. The devil and his demons are the nuclear power. And you need nuclear something that's got more nuclear power than he has. And it only comes through the shed blood and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ infused with the Holy Spirit. And you have believers and non-believers coming out with butter knives and Satan and the demons are laughing at these fools. Like, okay, then we're scared. <laughs> and you wonder why the country is going to hell in the handbasket. Matter of fact, the world is going to hell in the handbasket. The reason the Sumners and everyone else who became spiritually mature understood that they needed spiritual guidance. Uh -uh, I'm not talking about this, I'm spiritual stuff. No, 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 no. You're not spiritual. Mm -mm, you're not spiritual. You may have an eternal soul, but you're not spiritual unless you have the Spirit of God living in you. See, there is but one book that promises eternal peace and eternal life. There is but one book that claims for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, it is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's sharp. That thing, you can work with that. See, that's going to fight against the devil. He ain't scared of these carnal weapons. You can't hit him with that. The word of God hits him where it hurts. When he came to Jesus, when Jesus was led off into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, it says that the Lord Jesus used the word on him. Cut him up with that word. When the Lord Jesus Christ gave the Apostle John his revelation, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Did you get that? He was in the spirit. He couldn't receive it if he wasn't in the spirit. He received it because he was in the spirit. In 1 Kings 18, 46, it says, And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. The hand of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord was on Elijah, gave him supernatural strength. First Samuel 16 and 13 says, Then Samuel took the horn of all and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, talking about David. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. How do you think he wrote so many psalms? The spirit of the Lord came upon David. No, 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 no. I said, do you understand what I'm saying? The spirit of the Lord, David was a different kind of fella. Because the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward, it says. In Judges, chapter 14, it says, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath, and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father and his mother. This fellow took his bare hands and ripped the lion apart after the spirit of the Lord came upon him. How are you going to fight the devil without the spirit of the Lord? See, people do supernatural things when they got the spirit of the Lord on them. It ain't natural uh, for the apostle to take all of the punishment that he took. It's, 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 not, it's not natural uh, for Peter to say, uh, I want, I don't want to be crucified like the Lord because I'm not worthy. Uh, burn me up, set me on fire, burn me upside down. See, people do unnatural things when the spirit of the Lord come upon them. That's the only way you can fight against uh, the enemy. Over in Luke 
chapter 135, the angel speaking to Mary says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Huh? The Spirit of the Lord impregnated Mary with the Lord Jesus Christ, and Joseph may have nothing to do with it. You will also know, even though the Lord Jesus was God in the flesh, he did not start his public ministry until the Holy Spirit descended on him. Oh, he did. He may have did some things, but he didn't start his public ministry until the Holy Spirit descended on him. How do you think you're going to fight the devil without the Holy Spirit? I don't want to hear this. You think you're going to. Nobody's whipping the devil without the Holy Spirit, period. He ain't scared of you. So how can anyone operate in victory when they are not powered by the Holy Spirit? How are you going to give me freedom when you don't have the Holy Spirit? And if you quench the Spirit by, by, by living a, a raggedy life, how are you going to walk in victory? You keep quenching the Spirit. You keep getting tripped up. The world cannot offer you true peace that satisfies the soul. How can those who are empty vessels offer you a drink from Emmanuel's veins? The master said to the Samaritan woman at the well, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that said to thee, give me a drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. Now I want to read something from the chapter of the book I wrote, and I'm just not trying to toot my own horn, uh, Guaranteed Freedom, Victory, and Success. I want to read some from that book. First chapter. This is what it says. There is something in all humans that makes us want to be free, content and at peace. What people in every nation or country are searching for is true freedom. Not everyone realizes that he or she is really craving is peace and freedom. So he or she may attempt to do something, some many things in search of this elusive peace and freedom because there is an empty place in the minds and hearts of all humans that yearns for contentment. Most will try any and everything to fill that void. Let me start by saying that there is not anything that the world can offer you that will fill this void. Many attempt to fill that empty place with something or someone. The problem with these hungers and cravings that we feel deep in our souls is we cannot satisfy them through earthly means. People are seeking to fill a spiritual need with carnal devices. Some of these devices are worse than others, but all leaves the individual would empty and most often only leads to more abundance. The thing about seeking to have what the world calls freedom is that it mostly only leads to some kind of addiction. Seeking freedom through drugs will only lead you to addiction to drugs. Some people take drugs to escape a problem. People want to forget about their pains and problems. Many think that it's if they take drugs and the drugs make them feel good and the high uh, would then somehow deliver them from their problems in life. Yet the byproduct 
of using drugs will send each person into more abundance because the, then he or she may need money to keep up with their drug habit. So how, so now not only is he or she not free of worry, but the freedom that they sought has still eluded them. And the byproduct, if the truth was told, is that they are less free because of their new habit. Most people try drugs because they think it will make them feel good. They think drugs will allow them to forget about their problems. Some try drugs because others are doing it. Don't forget that misery has an affinity for the company. I have never spoken to anyone who was on drugs for a long period of time and they seem free or happy. That's the first chapter of the book. Because it's true. The world is always offering people. So I, I, don't, I think the, the Lord just laid it on my heart for the, uh, the guaranteed freedom. Because people don't have freedom. The world is offering people all this freedom. They keep saying you can be free. Do this. Do that. This will make you happy. Every ad you see. They, there's rich people who's not, who's not free. There's rich people who are miserable. There's poor people that's miserable. There's educated people that's miserable. There's black and white and Asian and Latino people that's miserable. So what makes all people miserable? Not having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a distant relationship. I'm saying an intimate relationship. Well, you're not trying to hide anything, trying to fool yourself because you're not fooling him. If you truly want to be free, you must throw off the world system. The world system brings bondage. Acting and thinking like the world will get you worldly results. I'm a living witness. If you are anxious, the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. If you are depressed and need rest, the Lord says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, pay attention upon you, and learn of me for my for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, I noticed something. That there's a lot of scriptures that the Lord is telling. He wants to leave you his peace. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Now, did he mean he's going to give you rest when you get to heaven? Or he means you can get rest here? See, that's the, the mistake that some people make. See, the name it and claim it. Uh, crew is always talking about money, but the peace, they can actually claim that on earth, but they're too busy with carnal devices to even claim the peace that they're saying that people are having. See, when Jesus is making these proclamations, it's like people don't want to, you don't, do you want this? He said, here it is. No, I don't want that. I want to do the world system. I want to do what the world says. You know that their burden is very heavy. The Lord Jesus says, if you have a heavy laden, he'll give you rest. And then what he wants you to do is take his yoke and learn of him. For he's meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Notice your rest is not for just your body. It's for your souls. You understand me? That's why a lot of people can't sleep because they got no rest in their souls. Chaos is going on in their minds. They're just bathing themselves in the world system. Or either that they're bathing themselves in their sins and then they're wondering why they can't have peace. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It appears that most don't want the rest though. 
They are adamant about listening to what the world says is right. I want to just throw up when I hear some Christian telling me about what the Supreme Court or somebody else says. Well, it's the law. What does God say? Tell me it's the law. Get out of here with that. So you care about what the world system says. So if the world system says I can rob you, is that okay too? Well, if the world says it, I guess it's okay. I don't care what the world has to say if it contradicts what my Lord is saying. Verse 79 of our text says, Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. The psalmist wants to be a sort of a lighthouse for, uh, for the Lord. He's not declaring, turn to me per se. He's saying, I follow after the one who made all things, because notice he says, and those that have known thy testimonies. It is as if he's declaring, let all God's people come together. Those who are operating according to the spirit of God. So in Romans chapter 8, it says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart know it was in the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, for them that who are called according to his purpose. Notice when people quote that verse, they don't go up and read that you got to get filled with the spirit. So you're not going to get to verse 28 if you're going to go read verse 26 and 27. See, the mind of God. Then you can get to verse 28 and says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. If you're doing a bunch of foolishness, that ain't his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestine, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Somebody need to say amen now. You hear what he says? He lays it out and says, if God be for you, who can be against you? Why are we afraid? If God be for you, because you're not walking in the spirit, you're not getting in an intimate relationship, so you're being intimidated. See, if you live by the spirit, that's what it's talking about. And in Romans uh, chapter 8, it goes on to say, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemned? It is Christ that died. Yeah, rather, that has risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us through him. See, the only way you can be more than a conqueror is through him. His spirit dwells in you. He said, for I am persuaded that neither death, 
nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, or any other creature should be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Boy, that's shout material. That's shout material. What if all believers, just say all believers that's located in your particular city, believe like this. If all believers feared only God in your city, if all believers were wanting an intimate relationship with God in your city, what kind of city would that be? Woo! That city would be on fire. That's why I know the churches are playing church. Because I don't see nobody being on fire. They're scared of the world system, cowering down to the world system. Because they don't have the Spirit of God in them. So it brings about fear. When the Spirit of God in you, it brings about peace. And perfect peace casts out fear. Can the church say amen to not having fear? Because if you want to have power, if you want to have peace while on this earth, you're going to have to get real close to him. You're going to have to adopt the, the mentality of Moses. When we learn to trust God because we have gotten to know who he is and his character, it's easy to trust him. Once you know who he is, you say, man, he's a big God. I mean, I mean, when you think he's small, I understand it's hard to trust when you think he's small. But when you understand what kind of big God we're talking about, it becomes easier to trust him. If you don't, if you, if you really want to get close to God, I mean, just start at night. An hour before you go to bed, just read some scripture. Just an hour before you go. Just try that practice for about a week. I bet you'll find yourself casting off some things. Uh, uh, an hour before you go to bed, just start reading. Don't wait till you get sleeping. That's why I said, oh, matter of fact, some of you may do two hours before you go to bed. Because you won't wait till you get sleeping. I'm tired. I read one line. I got tired, Lord. I want an intimate relationship with you. You give you give the world system more time than you give the Lord. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Turn off the TV, the internet sometimes. How can we get to know him if we don't uh, go into the wilderness with him? You got to be left alone like Jacob. Now you got to be left alone with him. I bet you David, when he was out there tending to the sheep, spent a lot of time with the Lord. You must bathe yourself in his word and pray before reading his word and ask him to do away with your dead heart. Stop thinking that you are so smart you can comprehend the God that is past finding out. Most of us cannot be set free through God's word because we already know everything. <laughs> he can't teach you nothing because you know everything. That's why he can't teach you nothing. Well, I read it. I ain't getting enough. Of course you ain't because you're full of you. When the Lord enters you, there's no room for you and how smart you are. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about to make a plaque with that. When the Lord enters you, there's no room for you to think you're so smart. He's dwelling now. He's taking over. Now, I want to show you something in God's word. Now, but that, 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 that's going to bring it more clearly what I'm talking about. We established that Moses was a man of God. Nobody will argue if Moses was a man of God or not. We said that Moses saw a manifestation of God that no one else had saw humanly. But after Moses had set up the temple that God told him to build, he, he did everything exactly right down to every detail of what God told him to do. 
You'll find that in Exodus chapter 40. All the things he told him to do, he did exactly like that. But if you look at Exodus 40 and verse 34, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meetings, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meetings because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Did you get that? Moses can't come up in here right now because the Lord didn't fill the whole tabernacle. If the Lord is filling your tabernacle, ain't no room for you. Read that again. Then the cloud covered the tent of meetings. This is after the temple got through being built to the specifications of what the Lord, and I guess the Lord is going down, sanctifying, say, I don't need no room for nobody can't be in here while I'm up in here. This is Moses who said, talk to him face to face. I told you, when the Lord is filling place, he will take over. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses couldn't even enter. Mm, mm, mm. It the first time this had happened in the scriptures too. He comes and fills places. Can't nobody else enter because God is taking over. If you're telling me God is taking over your life and you living like the devil, what sense do that even make? The glory of the Lord filled the temple so there was no room for Moses to enter. The Lord cannot enter your hearts or minds when there's too much of you. You got to get out the way. Uh-uh, he don't need no help. No, he don't, he's the God of glory. He don't need your help. Too much of you will cause the Lord not to enter in. All that means is you got too much worldliness in you. You think like the world. You act like the world. You believe the world system. People still reading their horoscope talking about they're a Christian. Well, he's a Scorpio and I'm a Scorpio. He's a Christian. Shut up. Freaking witchcraft, man. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's absurd. Some Christian telling me some stuff about some freaking horoscope. What am I supposed to care about that right there? You can get 50,000 different Aquarius. They do something different. What are you talking about? They may have some similarities. Or, well, there's some similarities or whatever like that. You don't even know the word of God as much as you know the freaking horoscope. What kind of stuff is that? You know the horoscope's better than you know the word of God. If you place all your trust in God's laws and statutes, you will not be put to shame. The world may not like you, and pat you on the back. We show like such and such. Boy, he's a good person. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, I had not seen nor ear heard, neither had it entered into the hearts of men the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God had revealed them unto us by his spirit. That is again, by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. Yeah, the deep things of God. You can't search the deep things of God without his spirit. What are you talking about? For what a man knoweth, the things of a man, save the spirit of a man, which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. That's why God has to train you. You read the word, you ask the Holy Spirit to guide and lead you. Get out the way. You're not smart enough to understand the word of God. Nobody is. And we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, 
for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerning. You can have peace while on earth, but only if you are heavenly minded. You hear what I say? The only way you're going to have peace while on earth, if you are heavenly minded. Romans 8 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnal minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace, because the carnal man is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you want freedom, then you must put off fleshly desires. And mind heavenly things. You'll be surprised how the spirit starts taking off stuff. You won't even recognize yourself in a year. It says about Abraham that he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. Abraham had his mind fixed on the heavenly Jerusalem. He wasn't concerned about some earthly place. If you are interested in true peace and rest for your soul, you must rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. That means if you have not accepted him as Lord and Savior, confess your sins this day. Don't wait. Tomorrow ain't promised to you. And believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? You will be saved. If you are a believer and you keep struggling with the same sin problem, you must change your habits. You make a commitment to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ and do things his way. Your way is not working. Throw it off. That means you will need to spend some quality time in reading his word and praying all day in your mind. When the Bible says pray without ceasing, it does not mean go around all day long saying prayers, prayers out loud so people can think you're spiritual. You can pray while you're walking. You can pray while you're talking. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going pray while you're talking. You can pray while you're, you're on your way driving to work, your way leaving from work. You can pray when you go in the restroom. You can pray when you're taking a shower or a bath. So all times you can pray. Don't mean you just got to get on your knees while you, before you go to bed to pray. You can pray all day long. When the Bible says, pray without ceasing, it says, leave the phone off the hook. That way, when you want to come back and talk to him, the phone is off the hook. You got a direct connection. But you can pray every time you think of God. You can ask him all day long to guide and direct your path. Don't take it for granted. Remember, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can worship him. It's going to be pretty hard to worship him when you're trying to lie to yourself, though. See, that's kind of difficult. People want to lie to themselves, and then they think they're going to worship God. You can't worship him while you're lying. You got to be truthful. Nobody else needs to know your sin problem, your sin struggle. Go into your closet and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. Be brutally honest with yourself. I mean, I tell him all. I'm going to be brutally honest. 
I'm having a problem with this, Lord. I'm, I'm having a problem with this. He said, I hear you. You got to cut this out. You need to cut this out. Do this, do this, do it. See, it becomes easier the closer you get to him. It's easier to put off this stuff. See, you want to stay connected to the world system or you want to stay connected to your sin and then you want to say, well, I want an intimate relationship with him. He said he wants you to get rid of that. Come out from amongst them and be ye holy. Confess your sins, even the hidden sins. Confess your sins. Ask him to cleanse your heart and guess what he's going to do? He's going to cleanse your heart. That's the kind of God he is. I double dare you to ask him to come in and make his abode with you. He's going to ask you to take off some stuff now. Now, if you don't want to take off anything, if you're comfortable being miserable for the rest of your life, have at it then. I'm saying, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be free? Do you want guaranteed freedom, victory, and success? It only comes through belief in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, accepting him and asking him to fill you with his Holy Spirit that you will have power from on high. That's the only way you can do it. When he told them to wait for the power to, to arrive, they waited for the power and they received the power. Some of you don't have it because you don't even ask him for it. You say, I feel so bad, I'm not going to pray. That's the best time you should pray. That way you can get real honest then because now you've been beating yourself up. You said, Lord, I'm filthy. I've thought filthy. I've done filthy. Cleanse me up now. That may be the best time. Don't try to come when you all puffed up because then you ain't going to have a true prayer. But sit there like the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the publican. He didn't even look up. I'm, 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 a, I'm a sinner. That's the mindset you should have when you're approaching the throne of God because no matter how good you think you are, you're not good enough to get to heaven without the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to ask him to forgive you of your sins and ask him to cleanse you. You say, I've been having a casual relationship with you. I don't want to have a casual relationship uh, anymore. I want to go steady with you, Lord. Yeah, I want to get steady with you. And I want to make sure I get close. I don't want to cheat on you no more. I've been cheating on you. Every time I look around, I'm cheating on you with something else. Someone else, some things, some stuff, everything else, the TV show. I'm married to the TV show. Oh, I can't miss my show. I can't miss my show. But you can miss uh, spending time with the Lord. Have you ever heard people say that? There's certain things they won't miss, boy, but they can miss all kinds of, not really, ain't picked the Bible up in three weeks, five weeks, a year. I picked it up when I went to church. I just like, the pastor told me to open up and read along. Well, that's not going to get you in an intimate relationship with him. No, you don't want to be intimate. You want, you want to be a distant lover. You want a casual relationship. I said the Lord don't do casual relationships. You're going to keep tripping up. You're going to keep suffering until you decide, I want to get close to you, Lord, because I want to put off me. I'm filthy. I don't got no problem. I tell him in a minute. Yeah, I, I, that's how I get closer to him. I just say, oh, uh, I know I was messed up, Lord, and keep cleansing me. No, no, no. He's going to keep cleansing you until we get to heaven. Every day you got to ask him to take off something. Lord, help me. Earnestly pray with him too, huh? See, some of you don't be, y'all be down there well, you know, Lord, I want you to, uh, I'll be saying, Lord, help me. Clean me up, Lord. I want to be more like you. And then you notice, I notice sometimes you got to be careful if you're not ready for that because you'll ask the Lord to give you patience. You ask the Lord to, to, to clean you up. And next thing you know, something bad is happening. Like you getting the test or something. It's like you done made the, the hellhounds upset now. Because all kind of stuff started breaking out. Soon as you decide to get close to the Lord. 
All of a sudden, stuff wasn't happening. Ain't never even happened to you. All of a sudden, it just started breaking out. Don't worry. You're going through it, though. <laughs> this too shall pass, as they would say. Yeah, it's going to pass, too. You got to understand, whenever you get serious about the Lord, when the devil gets real busy, I remember in Daniel, uh, it says that the, the angel came and says, I heard you when you first served, but these demons was trying to stop. I had to get Michael, the archangel. They helped me get through. We coming, though. <laughs> That's how it works. You got to understand. Pray until you get your breakthrough. Be like Jacob. Wrestle him until he, until he blesses you. Don't be satisfied and, and content walloping in sin and misery. You got to go to the throne room. Uh, you got to remember and apply the blood of Lord Jesus. He died for my sins. I want to leave him now. My peace I give you. Not as the world give it to you. Uh, my peace, he says, I leave you. Let not your heart be troubled. I like that. Let not your heart be troubled. That's my favorite. Let not your heart be troubled. Does he mean that? I think Jesus meant what he said. Let not your heart be troubled. My heart ain't troubled. It used to be troubled, but my heart ain't troubled no more because I decided to trust in him. I decided to walk with him. He's cleaned me up. He's got a lot to clean and to do with me. Oh, he's got a lot of cleaning to do with me. See, I'm not finished with you yet. I'm going to whip you back in shape some more, son. We must understand who he is. Get to know him. Not about him. Get to know the character of God. He's flawless. He, he will blow your mind. You start being, you say, this can't be right. Uh, I mean, some of the stuff you read, you be saying like, this is blowing my mind. I didn't see that at first. I know because you had blinders on. Now you didn't took the blinders off and all of a sudden you start seeing stuff. You ain't, see, I read this text a, a thousand times. I ain't never seen this before because you had the blinders on. Clean some of that mess up. Then you can see straight. Paul saw better than he ever seen before when the Lord Jesus blinded him. He had to blind him to wake him up. So now I can use that fella right there. Yeah, I had to blind him. for. He didn't never seen that good until he got blinded by the Lord. Jesus got a glimpse of it. It was brighter than the noonday sun, they said. Blinded him and knocked him off the beast. He said, who are you, Lord? I'm the one you're persecuting now, Paul. I got some work for you, though. I got you blind. I'm going to hook you up in a few minutes, though. But just get on over there and just do what I tell you. Paul was quiet for a while. He was like Jeremiah uh, over at the potter's house. He says, I'm going to listen now. I'm just going to listen to what the Lord. Imagine this is possible. This is Paul, the Pharisee Paul, on his way to, to persecute the Christians. All of a sudden, everything he thought was right. He got blinded. And him, his blindness woke him up. Spiritually, it woke him up. Blind that fella. He was blind, but he came alive because he had been chosen. He's a chosen vessel. The Lord can use you, but you're blind. You got to take off some stuff if you want him to use you. Remember that old song, just keep on using me till you use me up. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would cleanse our hearts and our minds sanctify us lord and fill us with your holy spirit take off anything that's not like you lord sanctify our hearts and our mind give us the power and the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge to understand who you are we don't want to know more information about you lord we want to know you we want an intimate relationship with you so we can learn to have peace while on earth and one day when that glorious day come, we will have peace in eternity. And if there's anybody listening who has not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 
Ask him to come into your heart, cleanse you and forgive you of your sins so that you may be one who now has a sight and ask him daily to uh, help you grow, give you wisdom, read his word every day. Say, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit so I may understand your word. If there is any who are sick, if there is any who are suffering, we pray for deliverance. We pray for healing. If there's any suffering with financial ruins, we pray, Lord, that you open up your windows of heaven, that they won't have room for, Lord, but make prepare their minds and heart to receive it so they will always give you that glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope that we said something that may have blessed you. And I hope that with this series is being helpful to you. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot from Psalm 119 that I, I didn't know by reading this Psalm. I mean, it's, 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 it's enlightening me. It really is. It's, it's, it's giving me the, uh, some, some, some fresh new, um, insights and it's, it's helping me spiritually walk is, is, is causing me to be calmer and not be so anxious about anything. That's what the word of God does. And I hope it's doing the same thing to you guys because uh, we, 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 we need that. And when the Lord, if you decide to get close to the Lord and ask him in and, and, and pray that he feel you, if he has to whoop you, he's going to whoop you back in the line because uh, he don't allow his bride to be cheating on him. <laughs> he's very jealous. He don't, I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody who would like their bride or their husband cheating on them, right? So God is the same way. He's a whole lot jealous, and he's ho- and he's holy too. <laughs> so you better remember that. God bless you, and God keep you. If if anybody, if you had, if you if you're not got a copy of our book, Guaranteed Freedom, Victory, and Success through the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes I glance at to look at some things in there because I was looking at it, that. Would make me read that today. I was looking at that. Um particular uh, chapter one in the book and it, it, it actually blessed me. Um, we, we, we got to learn to stay close to God because that's the only thing in this crooked and perverse world is the only thing that can um, uh, help us and, and help us to grow. <clears throat> and I forgot to tell everybody. Yeah, I, I did forget that we will be, um, we've changed I text JLC, but I ain't get a chance to tell tell everybody on Wednesday. Our Wednesday broadcast is we're changing the time. We're leaving the Sunday's broadcast at six p.m., but we happen to move Wednesday broadcast to eight p.m. Central, so that's um, that's uh, nine p.m. Eastern. Now I know some of you are probably gonna have to go to sleep because you gotta get up and go to work, uh, but uh, we happen to move that because we got some things we happen to do um, on Wednesdays during the day and. We're not able to, to make it for six o'clock. So we're setting it for eight o'clock for right now. Now we may we may have to we may change it back if 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 God permits, but right now that's what we have to do. And so we, we, we gotta do what we gotta do. So if anybody if you if you miss any part of the message or if you wanna get uh, part of the um, the other messages, part one through nine, you can go over to Spreaker. Or you can go to the website because we have a page set up on the website, commonsensenation.net. You can scroll down and there's a page for the uh, gospel messages. 
You can download this message or any of the messages free of charge. And I hope those messages will bless you. If there's any who like to make a contribution, you can do that. Either if you're in the chat room, you can do it, or you can go over to the uh, website. You can do it there. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. And I hope that, um, uh, that you guys are strengthened throughout this week. Uh, pray to the God will strengthen you and he will uh, strengthen you. I'm telling you, he will give you strength. God bless you and go in God's speed, uh, as I would say. You're my my everything. I do too. Nobody but you. You are my help. All my help. He hit that note. Would I be? Would I be?